Greetings and blessings, beautiful one. This is Crystal Tomlinson, and thank you for joining me for another installation, another episode, another exchange of energy right here on Good Gas Mondays. It's a space where we share the wisdom of life. There is a powerful song, um, one of my favorite reggae songs actually by Coffee, and the line says, life is such a teacher. Isn't that profound? If we get up every morning and just look at each day as a divine class, look for our lessons, be prepared for the examinations that come to test whether or not we have assimilated those lessons, you will enjoy the journey so much more. It doesn't feel like an attack. It doesn't feel like punishment. It doesn't feel like such a drag if we look at life as an opportunity every single day to learn. In our highs, the mountain tops, and in our lows, the valleys. May we always remain humble, no matter what the period is that we're going through. Great success, great achievement and recognition, and great disappointment. May we remain humble. And what does that mean? A lot of persons have different definitions about humility. And I want to share with you what I think humility is and the power of remaining humble as well as the psychology to be found in that divine thing we call a prayer. So stay tuned. Good Guest Mondays is coming to you with a whole lot of fire and a whole lot of energy for this episode. If you want to listen to my big tune, it's actually titled Burning by Coffee. She is our most recent recipient of the Grammy Awards in the reggae category. The youngest to ever do it. The first female solo recipient to ever do it. And she is either 19 or has just turned 20. So super young. But there is a lot of power in her message and a lot of wisdom in her music. And I really do enjoy her album. And I also enjoy the singles that have come since the release of her album. And Burning is one of them. So you can find it wherever you download your music. And I really hope you enjoy it. It's an empowering song for me. And, and one of my other favorite lines in the song is... Nothing can out my flame. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about humility in this episode because we don't often celebrate it as a character trait. A lot of times there is a sort of aversion to accepting any definition that suggests that we are humble because inside that adjective, I think some people get signals of weakness and unpreparedness and being small and being a child and in need of guidance and I think we have defined it very poorly culturally so in my own perspective and in my own life experience I've had to be humble whether I choose the moment of humility or the moment is thrust upon me I've had to be humble and sit down now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean somebody pushes you into a corner. It doesn't mean you lose your voice. It doesn't mean you lose your wisdom. It doesn't mean you lose your authority or your sacredness. What it means is you are wise enough. You hear how I start? Humility is about wisdom. You are wise enough to know what you do not know. And not a lot of people are humble enough to recognize that there could be things in life that you just don't know. If you don't have the wisdom to recognize your ignorance, that's going to stimulate arrogance. So you must be able to pull to memory, maybe with little hesitation, somebody who you think 
is absolutely arrogant. Not because they're not brilliant or intelligent or book smart, but they seem so vacant in those moments when they could really learn something. They have left that present moment to somewhere else in time that tells them they are the authority on all things and no one can teach them anything and they are the bringer of all truth and all information and all wisdom and so they're always right. That person lacks humility, not because they think a lot of themselves, because we do want that self-confidence. And as a first myth, I want to just not down quickly from humility. Humility is not about not having too much pride and confidence in yourself. You can have pride and self-confidence and be self-assured and still be humble. You can actually be boastful and still be humble. Showing off what you have, showing off who you are, showing off what you do know. But humility is about recognizing what you do not know. And not many people are wise enough, have centered their spirit enough to accept that there could be things that they just don't know. Now, why is that? That's because we've been taught that there is something wrong with being wrong. And there is something wrong with not knowing all things or even if we know we don't know all things we can't let anybody know that we think we don't know all things so we'll put that front up for everybody to see even if we know deep down we are ignorant and unaware of something we have to find a space in our spirit a space in our divine self to realize the rightness that comes when we are clear on our wrongness. When you fail to accept that there is something you got wrong, you lose the opportunity. Right. You lose the opportunity to get right when you fail to admit what you've gotten wrong. I'm going to say that again. You lose the opportunity to get right when you fail to admit, acknowledge, accept what you have gotten wrong. If you don't accept you've gotten it wrong, there's nothing to correct. There's no lesson to learn. And life is so persistent that she will continue to teach you until you learn the lesson you're supposed to learn. So your experience with being wrong will become ever more frequent. It will become ever more devastating and perhaps even more public. More and more people see and witness you in your moments of being wrong until you learn what you're supposed to learn to get right, to get the situation right, to get your perspective right, to get your approach right, to get your understanding of life right. Life will continue to be such a teacher, as Kofi says. So we have to release this fear we have that being wrong makes us wrong. It makes our existence or humanity or divinity something negative. And we have to embrace and replace that with a concept that being wrong gets us closer to being right. Once you detach yourself from the ego's need to show up as all wise and all powerful and in control of all things at all times, once you detach yourself from the ego's need to feel that way, you open up a new level of spiritual understanding and maturity that doesn't feel hurt, doesn't feel diminished when you are exposed 
to something negative about you, about your behavior, about what you've said. Once you commit more to the need to grow, more to the need to understand and to deepen wisdom, then you lose this attachment to always being right and grow in a position to always be seeking what is righteous. So humility is an asset to the human energy. But only when that divine spirit recognizes the power in searching for truth versus the need to show up all the time as already having truth. You're going to continue to get it wrong until you see the relationship between learning in those moments of wrong and ascending to a higher level of right or righteousness. So that's my perspective on it. So I've gotten a lot of things wrong in my life. I talk about it all the time. And depending on the nature of the conversation and the nature of the experience, some things will make it on Twitter. Some things will make it on interviews that I have with um, persons just trying to probe uh, my mind and understand more deeply who I am and where I come from and, and how I cleanse and stimulate my own energy and my own life blood. So depending on how intimate those revelations can be, I'll share them openly and some I'll just share with friends, some I'll only share with uh, Moses, my partner, um, and some I'll just share with myself and the creator, right? Because it's just too intimate and we don't want to be exploring that with um, other energies, yeah? So I speak about it all the time because I don't think I lose anything as a human being. I don't think I lose anything in terms of my measure of intellect and my measure of influence just because I admit to being wrong, just because I share an experience of failure, just because I share a moment of deep embarrassment. It doesn't change that I was embarrassed. But what it does do is open up a window and a space for conversation and for reflection because the more I talk about it is the more my psyche is reminded of the power of that experience and the privilege I have to be able to see life in this way and not be intimidated when I'm incorrect. And it also gives people an example. Human beings are training, and I, I use that in the present continuous, we're training in this thing called life, always learning. And so when we see somebody who has run the course, we want to mimic and to replicate and to learn from them because we understand that it's a, pro it's a process. And because we're always in that process for those who recognize ourselves to be, you know, on that wheel, always trying to get stronger. When we hear other stories from persons who have lived and experienced uh, certain things, it allows us to be better prepared when we're running our lap. So I share it because it reaffirms in my spirit what I've learned. But what it also does is sprinkles nuggets along, breadcrumbs, I like to call them, for other people to pick up, taste, see if it's for them, and follow whatever lessons um, have come from that particular crumb of bread. So humility for me is about cleaning up my divine self, recognizing what I don't know, being humble enough to admit that and to accept and acknowledge that and then see the rightness that the moment is trying to give me. So the other part of this question of humility is not to resist the lessons. So you'll recognize that you're wrong and not seek to do and learn what is right. 
So you are wrong. You're upset with yourself. You become unforgiving to you. And then there becomes a, a, a time in life when you can't even talk about the experience because there's so much shame and there's so much guilt and there's so much regret. You don't even get to the point of learning that life wisdom that has been left in that wrong for you to pick up. I envision myself as walking around with a big bag of lessons on my back and whatever I learn, I just drop it in my lesson bag and I continue to move. And when I need that nugget and that wisdom, I know I can go back in my bag because I've learned this lesson. Pull on that nugget, pull on that truth and make use of it in the present moment. Because guess what? I'm making mistakes for my future, not for my present. I am erring for my future. I'm failing for my future. There's something that has to go wrong now so I can learn it and use that in the future. I'm very future focused. So whatever is happening to me right now, small matters compared to what is about to come up ahead. So I need to get prepared. I need to get trained. I need to refine myself so that when I show up in the future, I'm ready. So don't miss and don't resist the lessons that life is trying to teach you. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. Sometimes it's going to be downright embarrassing. But don't resist it. Receive it. Don't resist it. Receive it. Now, one of the ways that I've had to come to terms with this question of humility is through prayer. I've had a moment, you know, where I could not grasp what was the point of praying. Because sometimes you pray and nothing happens. Like you go through a whole fasting and, you know, you're, you're just, com, com, you lay prostrate and you're just there just in the moment and giving it all up to that creative energy, that God essence. And what you're asking for don't happen. What you're praying for don't happen. Why should I continue to pray? What's the point of it? Maybe I should just see what happens and then say thanks. You know, pray back way. Don't pray to ask. Pray to say thanks. Right? Just just say, oh, thanks. You know, like you're mailing a letter. Just returning to sender that I appreciate this thing that you gave me. And the more I thought about it, I realized that there was actually a psychology involved in prayer. Because while what I was asking for did not happen, I felt better after I prayed. So what what's that thing? That prayer is unlocking in my spirit. That even if I don't get the outcome I want, the moment I say amen, I just feel so refreshed and relieved. There's a psychology in prayer. Did the research, right? Here's what some of the research is telling us about prayer. It goes both ways. It works for the person praying and it also works for the people you are praying for. There was a test group of persons who were ill, or thought to be ill and persons prayed for them and they didn't know anybody was praying for them but persons prayed for them and in praying for the person that you hear is sick you the prayer <laughs> you the prayer release certain kinds of chemicals in your body that stimulate a, a higher sense of well-being and that's reported, you know, once you pray for somebody, just giving thought to their needs and wishing them success and wishing them wellness and wishing them better and more and good. You feel better physically, psychologically, your body's chemical makeup changes for the better. But what also happened is that the person you're praying for, the prayee, who doesn't know you're praying for them, 
Once you've prayed, they also report feeling better. Is that energy that you're putting out in the universe for other people when you pray for them. But there's also an energy that you unlock internally when you pray. Now, here are, for me, the, the, the top three elements of prayer that just rock my boat whenever I think about it. One, prayer forces you to recognize that there, there are things out of your control. So we're going to talk to that other energy that is in charge, whether we're going to call it gravity, whether we're going to call it the sun, whether we're going to call it God, whether we're going to call it uh, Yahweh or Selassie, whatever you title that other energy as. When you pray, you are accepting that there is some other force, some other energy, some other being, some other pull that's making life happen. You see in it rain, you know that has nothing to do with you. You see little caterpillars turning into butterflies, that has nothing to do with you. You're watching your body heal after a scar, nothing to do with you. The brilliance of life when a, a child is, is being born, something to do with you if you're the parent. But really and truly, these things are happening inside the body, whether you're asking your body to do it or not. So there is something else that's in charge. These laws of the universe that continue to express themselves day in and day out with or without your permission, with or without your contribution. When you pray, you acknowledge that energy. Why is that important? You'll stress yourself out trying to come up with the solution for every circumstance. You'll beat yourself sick and into a hole by holding yourself accountable for things you really have no control over. And you will be stimulating a part of your ego that tells you that you have control over things you don't have control over. Gives you a false sense of power. And that's unhealthy. So it brings peace. Definitely by recognizing that, you know, I'm going to let this go and let life work how she wishes to work. And it also brings you closer to accepting, depending on how far you are from that truth, accepting that there is an other energy in charge. So when you pray, you are giving that other energy, the recognition, it, he, she, they deserve. That's the first thing. Now, the second element of prayer is that it forces you to reflect. It forces you to reflect on your experiences, whether it's the experience of the day, the experience of your life, what you have said to other people, what other people have said and done to you. Many times when we pray, we, we, we're going through the day. We're looking at all the things that have happened and we're acknowledging and we're thanking and we're you know asking for clarity here and asking for, for some understanding and wisdom to deal with an experience or a difficult period in time. But you're reflecting on your life. Where am I? What do I have? What am I grateful for? Who do I need to say thank you to? Who do I need to seek forgiveness from? Who do I need to forgive? It forces you to reflect on your life. It's very rare that I hear people pray and talk about other people's lives. When we pray, we get deeply aware and extremely conscious of who we are and the life we are living. And that takes into a space of responsibility for your actions or inactions. We need to do that more 
look at our lives and see where it is, where we, where we are failing, where we have failed others and where others have failed us. What is healthy? What is unhealthy? What is working and what is not working? What is thriving and what is dying? And understand the role we have to play in that. That always turns on a light bulb for me when I'm praying. That, that element of prayer. And the third and final component, and this has got to be my favorite because, you know, I believe in killing fear, yes? It develops in you a courage to ask for what you want. A lot of us have to practice on our knees, you know, acknowledging one, that I don't have this thing, but I desire this thing. And for me, this thing is important and it is good and it will add value to my life. And we open our mouths and we admit that we would like this thing. No, it can be an unreasonable thing we're asking for, but that's the great thing about prayer. You get to enter an unreasonable zone, an unreasonable zone of asking bigly and boldly, what you want asking for it now the great thing is that you can be as flamboyant as you wish it can even be a small thing that might seem in insignificant to somebody else but it's extremely important to you but in that moment when you're praying and asking for it who cares what anybody thinks about the bigness or the smallness of what you ask it builds up in you a courage to release into the universe this divine request for something. And that's powerful. The more we learn to ask for what we want, even in those moments on our knees, in our bedroom, in our group prayer with close friends and family members in our church group, the more we exercise that power of asking, using our ask energy, is the closer we get to demanding and asking for other things in our lives. It becomes a habit. It's a muscle. You use it often enough and it becomes so strong. What you used to be afraid of asking of your partner, you can ask them now because you've spent so much time on your knees verbalizing that request, hearing yourself say it, recognizing that there's nothing bad in what you're saying, recognizing that it's not impossible for you to open your mouth and possibly wish these things. Ask these things. It develops courage. So whether or not you believe in God, there is power that you can unleash in prayer. You can unleash that energy inside your body. Your uh, chemical makeup is impacted when you think of somebody else and desire good for that other person. Just for them to be well. Just for them to be wealthy. Because we need to be start wishing wealth, right? We need to start wishing wealth on other people. Not just wellness, but wealth. Asking that somebody gets something just for the sake of them having it, not because it spills over to some peripheral benefit in our life. It also puts us in a position to reflect on who we are and the life that we are living and what we are not doing well and what we can do better and what we absolutely must do better. And then it also stimulates that courage muscle, the courage to open your mouth and ask for what you want. Even an atheist gets the benefit from prayer. Even the agnostic gets the benefit from prayer. And it's even more powerful for those of us who believe 
that we are here by intelligent design, not by accident. And so that divine intelligence is still listening to us and still willing to serve our spiritual cause as we manifest into whatever that higher self is that we are called to be. So that's my reflection on humility and on prayer. And I hope you found in that something powerful, something useful and something instructive. And that's it for this episode of Good Guest Mondays. Thank you so much for joining me for another exchange of energy, good vibrations and for a top up at your spiritual guest home. It does for me exactly what it does for you, driving the kind of critical thought, purposeful reflection and peaceful conversations that can help us to thrive and grow and reach to that next level that we all have within us. If you've not done it already, I'd be so grateful if you could stop and rate this podcast. And you can also drop us some commentary. Yeah, tell us what you think about Good Guest Mondays. And also let me know what you would want me to talk about. If you're listening on the Anchor app, of course, you know, you'll be able to send me a voice message and I can listen to it. But you can also drop it in any kind of rating platform. Just let me know. What do you like about the podcast? What more do you think we should talk about? And if you want to send me a very heavily worded email, then go right ahead on. You can send me your email at thesuccessfarmja at gmail.com. I'm so grateful to have you as part of this online community. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have not yet purchased my book, Kill Fear, The Art of Courageous Living, then I'm inviting you to check it out on Amazon, Worldwide Delivery. And if you're in Jamaica, you can pick up your hard copy at any Megamart store across the island. Thank you so much. And I'll catch you again in another episode. Love and blessings.